Good morning, everyone. I hope this finds you safe and well. And some of you, no doubt, looking forward, as I am, to receiving our vaccinations in the coming weeks. And in this period of lockdown, I've been thinking a bit about my school days. And when I was at primary school, I always used to go home for lunch. In those days, the lunch break was from 12 noon until 1.30 and gave me ample time to walk home from school, have lunch and get back in time for the afternoon lessons. My mother didn't go out to work. She worked in the house non-stop and part of her daily routine was to get dinner ready. Lunch, as I now call it with my acquired southern ways, was a proper meal. Stew, mince, sausages, always with gravy and then a pudding, almost always with custard. We had tea when we got home late in the afternoon. But when I was at secondary school, when I no longer wanted what was served up at school dinners, I chose to take a packed lunch. Nowadays it's quite a business. I look at all those fancy school lunch boxes for sale in the shops, and it seems to be another world away from the Tupperware box which contained a beef paste sandwich and an apple that accompanied me to school. What brought all this to mind was the news that came out this week about the lunch boxes that have been delivered to those children who are entitled to receive free school meals. This has been a running sore throughout the pandemic. I remembered that as we took up our dinner money to the teacher every Monday morning, all those years ago, there were always children in the class who didn't have to do that. They just sat there. Those were harsher times, perhaps, when the dignity of those children wasn't considered. We knew they were free school meal kids, and there was nothing in the way that the dinner register was called that would protect them. Today, those needs and the needs of those families who rely on such help has again become apparent to all of us. And we are indebted to the Manchester United footballer Marcus Rashford and those with him who've been advocates for this group of young people and in particular for exposing last week the shockingly poor quality of what's been provided by companies as, as free meals for those needy children but only so as they could make a profit for themselves. Frankly, it's been a disgrace. Now, one of the great stories from the Gospels that most people still are familiar with is that of the miracle of the loaves and fishes, or the feeding of the 5,000. And one of the places you'll visit, if you're fortunate enough to go on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, as some of us did a couple of years ago, one of the places we visit is the Church of the Loaves and Fishes in a place called Tapka by the Lake Galilee, just a short hop along from the guest house where we were staying. And the church stands on the traditional site of the miracle. It's a stunningly beautiful church built on the foundations of a much earlier one and there are the mosaics from the original floor in the building. And the mosaic depicts a basket of bread and the fish, right there in front of the altar. 
and that's the famous image which pilgrims take back home, printed on bowls and fridge magnets and bookmarks and tea towels and postcards. The basket with the loaves and fishes. And it's John who tells us the story in chapter 6, and at its heart there's this moment. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that among so many people? The boy stands before Jesus, holding out, offering the packed lunch, which his mother presumably had made up for him, when he said he wanted to follow the crowd to listen to Jesus. He offers all that he has, and Jesus takes his meagre offering and feeds the crowd. Now, there are so many different ways to understand this miracle. From a Eucharistic perspective, and hence the placing of the mosaic in Tavka in front of the altar, we offer ourselves, our time, our skills, our money to God in response to his loving offering of himself to us. There's the perspective of the Creator God who can make all things well. There's the perspective of generosity, the generosity of the boy who comes forward to share his lunch, to share all that he has. And there's the generosity of God who takes our own meagre offerings and makes of them a blessing for thousands of others. You see, generosity isn't generosity when it's forced out of us. Generosity isn't generosity when we are shamed into it. Generosity is never, ever grudging. Rather, generosity is a gift of love from one to another. Not always from those who have much to those who have less or little, mind you. Rather, the one recognising the need of the other, whoever they are, and putting their hand in their pocket or offering their packed lunch to the other. I like that TV advert where two boys sit on a bench and one opens his box of Cadbury's chocolate fingers for his companion the companion who's been feeling very rejected. The simple, generous, free response makes all the difference in the world. By contrast, today there seems to be something quite grudging about our national response at needy times such as this. The promised review of free school meals may come up with something better, a better system. But it shouldn't have to be grudgingly forced out of a government or out of wider society. Indeed, it should be the fundamental generous response of a society that has the welfare of the poorest and the most needy as its first priority. That, after all, is what God is like. That, after all, is what God was like when the boy opened up his packed lunch and provided a meal for thousands. And it's generosity above all that I pray for today, not only for our society, but as Joe Biden is inaugurated as President of the United States. I pray for a more generous, a more gracious and a more truthful presidency, which in turn will help make the United States a more truthful, gracious and generous country. And that will be to the benefit of us all.